We're working through the book of James. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in James 1 today. And I brought this trap that I have at home. um, Because today James talks about traps, and I'm going to start with an illustration. Um, Trap works, you know how trap works. So you, you put some bait down here, and you pull that flap up, and then when the animal steps on the flap, it catches the squirrel or whatever. Well, when I lived in Kentucky, we had a problem with a raccoon one time who got kind of started getting around the house. And so my neighbor uh, was a farmer, and he had bigger traps like this. And so he said, well, you can catch it with the trap. And it's like, okay. So I set up the trap, and um, I caught the raccoon. And look, look how cute they are. I know. Oh, everybody. Oh. And so I thought to myself, I'll, I'll keep it. I will make a pet out of it. On the Disney movie, when I was a kid, they had a raccoon, mischievous but cute. And then I went to pick up the trap, and he looked like that. Uh, I was like, and I didn't know they could hiss, but they hiss. They were like, uh, so um, I picked up the trap with this raccoon. He's just like, he's going nuts. And um, now I have to figure out what to do with him, right? Because I didn't exactly know what to do. So I put him in the back of my car uh, and drove 20 miles away. I mean, I wanted to drive far enough away. Where I, can he come back from 20 miles? You're, some of you are going to say yes, and you're not right. Anyway, um, I put him in the back of the car. Now you have to figure out how to get him out of the trap, right? Because I'm like, well, he looks like that. I mean, does anybody want that on them? I don't want that on me, so... The, the way you released that particular style of trap was you, you turned it upside down and the door would pop open. That's how it worked. Okay, so, so now I'm thinking, okay, well, when it pops open, I don't want to be there, but I'm the one that has to turn it over, right? So this, this is a simulation of how this went down. I turned it halfway. Oh, maybe it's not a simulation. And then I turned it over. And I ran like I was being chased by a mountain lion, you know? I mean, I'm running to my car, screaming like a little girl. I mean, I am, I'm running. And you know, when you're, when the fear of death is on you, you kind of want to see if it's approaching. And so I look back, this little squirrel, not squirrel, this little raccoon, he kind of, he kind of walked out, he looked at me, and he went, Kind of like, he kind of can't be in the nod, and then he walked off. So it wasn't as bad as I thought. All right, so it has nothing to do really with anything other than um, James. I love the book of James. That's why we're going through it. It's incredibly practical. So it's like, this is something you're going to deal with in life. This is how you get over it. And this is something else you're going to deal with in life, and this is what you should do. And this is something you're going to deal with, and this is a great way to get past it. Okay, well, temptation is something that we deal with. And so today we're going to talk about how do we thump temptation? What, what can we do to get past temptation? So, Adam and Eve, I mean, it started with our ancestors to the, you know, hundredth power. Temptation is just this part of life. Now, the Bible uses two different words. There, there are trials and there are temptations, and they're not the same thing. So let me explain to you, and then we'll kind of walk through it a little bit. Trials are, are these... Events in our life that happen designed by God to help us grow. It, it's to test us. And so if you're in school and you have tests, the, the idea is that your, your knowledge is increased and that you can exhibit that 
on the test. The, the trial helps you grow. Temptations are designed to, to mess us up. And so uh, trials are, are from God. Temptations are from, from Satan. And, and so we need to under, let, let me explain. Sometimes a trial will lead to a temptation. I'll give you a couple examples. Um, I'm out of work, right? I'm, I don't have a job. I need to, to put some uh, bread on the table. I, I need some employment, that kind of thing. So the trial is, can I live by this verse? Can I wait for the Lord? Can I be patient in waiting for God? The temptation would be, okay, if I just enhance my resume a little bit, if I put some false things down, then people might hire me. The temptation is to lie, right? There was a Notre Dame football coach, early 2000s, named O'Leary, and he became the Notre Dame football coach for five days. He was coached for five days, and then they found out he had, he had lied on his resume, and they fired him. Okay, so this, the, the, the testing is, can I be patient? The temptation was for him to, to make himself look better than he was. All right, let me give you another example. My, my marriage isn't exactly where I want it to be. Um, I'm not happy in my marriage, or it's, my wife isn't making me happy, my husband isn't making me happy. So that's the, the testing is, am I going to live up to God's standard? Marriage should be honored, even when it's tough. Um, the marriage bed should be kept pure, even when it's tough. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexual, sexually immoral. And so the trial is, it's tough in my marriage right now. The temptation is, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flirt with the, the guy in my office. Or, or for men, a lot of times, the temptation is, I'm going to look at pornography. You know, 64% of American men look at pornography at least once a month. That's a, that's a, crazy, that's a crazy big statistic. The temptation is, I, I'm not going to live up to the test. The test is, I, I can do this. The temptation is I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to do something wrong, even though I know it's wrong. The problem with temptation is a lot of times we know it's wrong, we just do it anyway. And so James jumps into this, this testing and, and tempting uh, language, and he says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. If you can resist temptation, you pass the test, the, the trial. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, I, I want to look at um, a couple of, of words here. If we can resist temptation, we, we get prizes. Kind of. It's kind of what this language is. Blessed, the word literally means happy. You are happy if you can resist temptation. And here's why you're happy. Because here's what happens with temptation is this. When I'm tempted and I give in to temptation, now I know I've done something wrong. When I know I've done something wrong, I have a tendency to want to hide it. When I hide stuff, I have to lie about it. If I'm hiding and lying, I am rarely, rarely happy. Because I've got to keep, I've got to keep hiding. And I might have to hide deeper. And I've got to keep lying. And I may have to lie more. And it's not very... It's not a good place. And, and God knows this. He doesn't want you to hide. He doesn't want you to lie. So a blessed life is I don't have to worry about any of this sort of stuff. Right? I don't have to worry about it. The other part is you receive the crown of life. Jesus said, I, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. You, you might live a full and meaningful life. 
the full and meaningful life is I'm not worried about things I've hidden and I'm not worried about things I've lied about. Right? I don't have to, I've not given in to temptation. I live a life where I, I'm just honest with God. And what I love about James is he says, all right, here, here's how you do it. Now, you're going to be blessed if you can resist temptation. Let me show you how. So, five things today I want to show you. Number one, you've got to be realistic about temptation. The, the, the deal is you are going to be tempted. It's not if, it's, it's, it's when. You know, you will be tempted. Look at what he says here. No one being tempted should say, I'm being tempted by God. No one being tempted. The, the, the notion is, there's sort of just an assumption here. You are going to be tempted, and when you are, uh, it shouldn't surprise you. Uh, there's a, a magazine called Discipleship Magazine. It's for Christians, and they did a survey. What are the things that tempt you most? So you and me and, and other Christians, this is the stuff that tempts us most. Materialism, it sort of makes sense. We live in America. We, we have the access and opportunity to acquire lots of stuff. Advertising is geared to make us want lots of stuff. Materialism, pride, self-centeredness, um, laziness, anger and bitterness, sexual lust, envy, gluttony, and lying. These are the things that are kind of, of out there that, that tempt us. All right. Now, I love this verse. Paul wrote this. Paul was a guy that wrote most of the New Testament. He says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And you've heard that expression, misery loves company. If you're tempted, welcome to the human race. So is everybody else. No temptation in life is different from any that anybody else has. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And if you need a promise today, if you want to mark it in your Bible, this is a really good one. No temptation is beyond you resisting. The, the truth is, it's not sin to be tempted. The only sin is when you're tempted and you give in. I want to show you a verse about Jesus. This is a cool verse. For our high priest, he's talking about Jesus, is able to understand our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. There's a difference between the words sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is me saying, I see you're in trouble and I'm sorry for you, though I've never been through that. Empathy is, I see you're in trouble and I've gone through the same thing and I feel for you. I feel for you because I've done it. I've been through it. Jesus, this verse tells us, has empathy for us. He, we're, we're not experiencing any temptation that he didn't experience. Which is super cool if you realize, okay... Jesus got through this so he could help me get through this. This is the, the beauty of getting through stuff is that you can help other people get through stuff. And that's what this verse is saying. Jesus is able to understand our temptations. So number one, I have to be realistic. It's going to happen. The second thing is I have to be responsible. When I give in to temptation, it's not somebody else's fault. And we really like to blame other people. No one being tempted should say, I am being tempted by God, or mom, or dad. Our natural inclination is to blame somebody else. It's just how it works. So, um, if, if I don't like that I've given into a certain temptation, I, I couldn't help myself because my, my, answer, my, my dad was an alcoholic, therefore I'm an alcoholic. Or, uh, in my case in Kentucky, my granddaddy was a bootlegger, therefore I'm a bootlegger. You know, uh, it's kind of how it works. And so we think to ourselves, well, I'm, I'm, this is the way I'm wired. God made me this way. I, 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 
it's not my fault, it's God's fault, or it's somebody else's fault. Just think about Adam and Eve. What did they do? Adam and Eve fall into temptation. They succumb to temptation. God says to Adam, dude, what did you do? That's a rough translation. Dude, what have you done? And Adam's like, the woman you gave me. It's like, it's not my fault, bro. I mean, this woman, she, she's, she looked marvelous. But uh, she gave me this, this fruit. And by the way, uh, she gave me the fruit. But, 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 but you gave her to me. So, dude, it's kind of your fault. It's on you. And, and, and Eve said, whoa, 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 whoa. The, uh, the serpent deceived me. <laughs> the, th- the funny thing about Adam, what a chump. That guy was the chumpiest chump ever. Every one of us have his lineage, by the way. Um, this guy, you talk about manning up. Like, what kind of, what kind of jerk says to God, well, my wife that you gave me, it's like she was tempted and deceived and she ate the fruit. And then she, she says to Adam, this is the forbidden fruit. You should have some. <laughs> okay. He wasn't even deceived. He was just stupid. I mean, it's completely... And then he doesn't even take, he doesn't even take responsibility. I mean, it's not like God doesn't know. It's not like God doesn't know with us either. I mean, it is incredibly crazy for us to think God doesn't know. Let me show you this. These are Roman arches built um, in, I think, around um, 100 B.C. All right, this is, this is a marvel of architecture because there's nothing holding those together other than the weight of the stones. It's, it's, it's amazing, frankly. Now, they're amazing, but if back in the day when you were the architect of this, once they built them, they would remove the scaffolding, and if you were the one that built them, you had to stand under it. You've heard of standing behind your work? This is standing under your work. Because you were responsible, and if it didn't hold up, you were really responsible. There's something about responsibility that we kind of have this tendency to shy away from. I've heard of guys who tell their pastor, well, pastor, I feel like the Lord is telling me to leave my wife and four kids and run off with my 21-year-old secretary. That's not God. That's never, God is never going to contradict in your spirit what he says in his word. He's never going to contradict himself. Jesus put it this way. Heaven and earth will disappear. My word will never disappear. If the Bible says one thing and you think something else, you're wrong. It's really that simple. If it's clear in scripture and I disagree with it, I'm not right. It's really, really important to get this. And we have this... You know, when we blame, it's just childish. Adam was a big baby to blame his wife and then ultimately God. He's just just being a baby. I heard Ron Tarpley talk about this. He said his kid, five years old, um, was on the counter eating cookies. And his wife walked in. Evidently, she had moved a chair over and climbed on the counter and gotten the cookies. And and the mom, you know, mom's the question, what what do you think you're doing? And the little girl said, well, Mom, I, I just came up to smell him, but one of them got stuck on my teeth. Uh, so what am I, I going to do? This is kind of what Adam was doing. Well, I didn't really want to eat it, but it was right there and it fell in my mouth. And so she gave it to me and I had to eat it. You know, I, she's a woman. She made me. I, you know, she told me I had to. It's kind of how it works. It's not how it works. 
you have a choice. But what we want to do is we want to blame God. Well, this is the way he made me, right? So I, I eat too much. <laughs> you know, I've got a sweet tooth. Well, God made me with the sweet tooth. I mean, it's not really my fault that I eat 700 donuts. It's, it's God's fault he made me with a sweet tooth. Or there's a prescription in, in Scripture about how sex goes. It's one man, one woman for life in the confines of marriage. This is the way God prescribed it. But if I want to do it outside of that, then I just say, well, God created me differently than that. Really, no. It's not true. And, and look at this. This is, this is really, this is kind of nerd stuff. If you're not a nerd, you can zone out for just a second. Uh, all you Bible nerd people, you're going to like this. Um, I'm sure that's everybody. Here it is. That word by, I think it's a preposition. Yes? Let's go with that. Okay. Um, Jonathan, you'll know that. Is that a preposition? Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. He's an author, uh, so he knows stuff. All right, in the Greek language, now you know the Bible wasn't written in English, right? It was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. They take the Greek and they translate it into English. So the Greek words translated by, you had two options. It could be apo or upo, and they have different meanings. Now, apo meant um, it was, you started a series. You weren't the one who directly affected something, but you started the process. So, if you have a line of dominoes, you're the one that topples this domino and it gets down there. Though you didn't affect it here, you did affect it there. That's oppo. Upo is you're the one that pushed over the domino. You, you see the distinction, right? I mean, it's like I didn't directly cause it, but I did kind of cause it. All right, so the word here that James uses is oppo. It, these guys were meticulous in the way they wrote. I mean, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. God's te- uh, you know, directing them on what to write. And he used this word strategically because what he's basically saying is no one being tempted should say I'm being tempted in any way by God. God didn't start the process. God isn't uh, the, the problem here. He's not the one that pushed over the first domino. He oppo. He has no bearing on you giving in to temptation. We, we cannot, we should not blame him. It's just, it's not what should be done. And in fact, the, the wisest man who ever lived was a guy named Solomon. It's not like this is new. A person's own foolishness ruins his life, but in his mind he blames the Lord for it. We want to blame our heritage. You know, my mom didn't do this when I was a kid. My dad didn't do this when I was a kid. I, I can't do this because... I steal from work because my boss doesn't pay me enough. Well, no, you steal from work because you steal. You're a stealer. Uh, I had to lie because uh, I had to lie on my taxes because the government takes too much taxes. Okay, I'll give you that one. Uh, uh, teasing. I, tease, I don't give you that one. I don't give you that. I don't give you that. I made that up. It's not true. But we say stupid stuff like that. Well, you know, I, I had to do this because. Well, you don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything. There's not a have to. So, so James is saying, okay, be realistic. It's going to happen. And you are responsible for how you live your life. You can blame God. You can blame your mama. You can blame your daddy. You can blame your grandparents. You can blame the government. You can blame your boss. You can blame your wife. You can blame your husband. You can blame your kids. 
I'm crazy because of my kids. Heard that one. You can blame anybody you want to. The truth of the matter is it's on you. A person's own foolishness ruins his life, but in his mind he blames the Lord for it. And many of us just sort of, well, yeah, my wife or my husband or my boss or whatever, but God's the one that knocked over the first domino. And, and, and James basically says, nope, can't do that. That's not right. That's just not right. So I've got to be realistic. I have to understand that I'm responsible. And then I've got to be ready for it. If it's going to happen, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I've got to be ready. So he says, each person, he kind of tells us this is how it happens. Each person is tempted when they're, when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Don't be deceived. The word is, it, it just means um, you got to be prepared. See, temptation is funny because it usually sneaks up on you. <laughs> it, it, temptation typically doesn't slap you in the face. So you got to be ready for it. Right? Those, those traps, these traps. Um, this squirrel trap right here. Squirrels aren't smart enough to know that's a trap. But we're smarter than squirrels, surely. Although... I'm not real sure I'm smarter than the squirrels that get in my attic because I can't figure out how to keep them out. But anyway, but most of us are smarter than a squirrel. And, and so look at this verse. Beware if you think it can never happen to you. See, a lot of times we get tempted right after we had this great success. I want to show you this, um, this picture. This guy's named uh, Bobby Leach. In 1911, he went over Niagara Falls in this contraption, this little barrel. It's, it's not really a barrel, but kind of a barrel. Goes over Niagara Falls, no injuries. Now, let me get my pointer. Now, do you see he has a cane? Can you tell that's a cane right there? He goes over Niagara Falls in this contraption, nothing. Two days later, he slips on an orange peel and breaks his leg. I think that's funny. You should think that's funny. I, I just, uh, the thing that should have gotten him didn't. An orange peel, which shouldn't have gotten him, does. And, and, and so we'll have this victory and we'll think, I've done it. And then, and then we give in, right? So, so you're on a diet. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, okay, I'm going I'm to win this. So you get up in the morning and you have egg white omelet. Oh, good on you, man. You go to lunch. Everybody else is having burger and fries. You're having tofu and a stick of celery. Good for you. Supper. Brussels sprouts and cauliflower, no cheese. I know. Uh, all right, but good for you. Good for you, Jack, because you're, you're making it happen. You got breakfast, you killed it. Lunch, tofu. I mean, who's going to eat that? But you did. Way to go. Brussels sprouts and cauliflower, you're you just killing it. And then your wife goes to bed. The voice of reason, conscience, your conscience goes to bed. And you remember, because you just remember, that you noticed one time when you looked in the freezer, kind of in the back, not up, not up front, under, back behind where you hit it, and the back, back behind some stuff, ice cream sandwich. They, they're from God, man. I mean, really, it's in the Hebrew. Uh, it's in there. You have to look for it. 
And so you, you've been doing great. You've been killing it all day. You've been doing good. And then you fall. That's what that verse meant. I'm going to go back. Beware if you think it could never happen to you. You might have killed it all day. Maybe you string four days of this in a row. And then it's Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, Super Bowl Sunday. America feasts. You've been doing good. Beware. I mean, I love it. It's like, I love the Bible. The Bible's crazy practical. Beware because this is going to sneak up on you. So, the beautiful thing about James, he says, all right, this is how temptation works. Number one, you start with the desire. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires. Now, there, there are different kinds of desires. There's evil desire and there's... There, desire's not bad. Uh, to desire to eat, I mean, that keeps you alive. To uh, desire to drink water, that keeps you alive. Uh, a desire to... Um, uh, to be successful, there's nothing wrong with these things. Desire in itself isn't an evil desire. What Satan does is he magnifies good desires and he makes them kind of overwhelming. They become sort of this uncontrollable desire. And so whereas eating is okay as a desire, then it becomes gluttony. It's, I, I just can't get enough. And, and there's, no wrong, there's nothing wrong with having a sexual desire, but then it gets out of control and I can't get enough. Or I like stuff, but it becomes an overwhelming desire and I can't get enough. It's this place, this, this desire that becomes uncontrollable. The second step is, is deception. It's like, oh, it's not that bad. Now, the two words, dragged away. Dragged away was literally a trapping term. And so once you caught the animal, you drug it away. You carried it. The other word there, enticed, is a word that was a fishing term. And that's when they would bait the hook. And evidently, from, from what I understand about trapping and fishing, I'm not a trapper or a fisherman, but this is what I understand. I'm fairly certain I'm right about this. The way you catch stuff really depends on the bait you use. If you bait the hook the right way, you catch fish. If you bait the trap the right way and it's set the right way, you can catch whatever you're trying to catch. It's all about the bait, right? You've got to have the right bait. And that's why it says, by their own evil desires. What tempts you might not tempt me. What tempts me might not tempt you. Here's what you should really understand. God knows what tempts you. And our adversary, the devil, knows what tempts us. The trick is, can I know what tempts me? You probably do. You, should, you just have to admit it, right? I, I have to get comfortable. Okay, this, this thing tempts me right here. I, I love this little cartoon. We have met our enemy, and he is us. I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to temptation. So um, I'm deceived. There's de deception, and, and then there's disobedience. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. I love James because he uses these powerful illustrations. And here he uses the illustration of, of a baby being conceived and being born. A baby isn't conceived one day and born the next. There, there, there's a process. It, it just sort of happens. And so with deception comes this, there's this what-if moment. Um, it's imagine this. Advertisers are great at this. That's what they do. They get you to imagine something. Imagine yourself 
and a new car. Oh, a new car? With new car smell? Yeah. It doesn't smell like old feet like mine? Yes. It gets good gas mileage? Awesome. It has those lane detectors, so I don't even have to look at the road anymore? Yes. I can text while I'm driving? Yes. Imagine a car that drives itself. And you're, you're I, I need to look into this. Imagine yourself with a date because you're a loser. What, that's what the voice says, right? Imagine yourself. Have you ever noticed those dating, uh, uh, those dating um, commercials always have hot babes and hot dudes on there? You ever notice that? It's usually really good-looking people. It's just kind of how it works, right? What are they? They're saying, imagine yourself with him. Ooh. What would your girlfriend say? You'd be on Facebook? Uh, you'd be on Instagramming? You'd be Instagramming? Imagine yourself with arm candy. Woo! That's what advertising does. It's the, imagine, imagine yourself not lonely. Imagine yourself in not a loveless marriage. Imagine yourself in a job where the boss doesn't stink. And so we're enticed, right? We're enticed. And then it leads to death. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Now notice something real quick. This is cool. We began with verse 12 today. Verse 15 says, deception leads to sin, which leads to death, right? But that's not God's plan for us or His desire for us. Because He said earlier on, his goal for us is life, not death. You get to choose what you do. You don't get to choose the consequences of what you do. That's the way it works. So I've got to be realistic. I've got to be responsible for my own actions. I have to be ready. And then it's as if James has ADD because he changes topics like that. It's like, what? Look at this. We're talking about death, and we're talking about sin, and we're talking about desire and temptation. And then he says, every good and perfect gift is from above. It's like, what? What's that got to do with anything? Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And you're thinking to yourself, well, why did he do that? Well, because <laughs> he's brilliant. Here's what he did that. why he did that. If we're going to overcome temptation, we have to focus on the right things. To overcome temptation, you've got to change what you think about. Look at this verse. This is a super cool verse. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Don't think about what if. Imagine. You think about these things. I had a young lady that I knew who had panic attacks. She would watch the news with, which if you watch the news very much, it's easy to get a panic attack. She'd watch the news and she would see how the world was going and she just got real nervous. And her mother would direct her to this verse. And they would read this verse together. And her mom would say, okay, honey, let's do this. Let's think about something right now that's true. Let's think about some things that are noble. What do you know that's lovely? Let's talk about some lovely things and some right things and some admirable things. Let's change our focus. 
Because if you don't want to get stung by the bees, you get away from the bees. Right? I mean, you just, you get away. So maybe you need to delete Twitter or get off Facebook or maybe you need to change jobs. or I don't know what you need to do. Here's what I know. In the Old Testament, there's a guy named Joseph. And Joseph was propositioned by an older woman. And she grabs his robe, his garment, and he pulls out of it and runs out of the house, leaving his robe behind because he was not going to sin against God. He's ready to do whatever it takes to take extreme measures to get away from temptation. And sometimes we have to take extreme measures to get away from temptation. But ultimately, whatever gets our attention gets us. And we have to understand that. If I'm thinking about it, it's got me. All right, final thing. This is awesome. The way to get past temptation is to be born again. Because being born again gives us a new capacity to resist temptation. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. All right, imagine this. All right, Super Bowl Sunday, right? Super Bowl Sunday tonight. What are you, what are you having to eat? Anybody? Quick. Chicken and dumplings. That's not, I don't hear that one much. Okay, what else? Wings. Everybody says wings. Anybody? Bacon and eggs. That's old school. That's good. All right. We're, ha- we're having ribs. What? Meatballs. Awesome. Okay. So here you are at your house tonight. When is the, when's the kickoff? Six. <laughs> Great. Okay. So it's, it's, it's kickoff, and you, you dive into whatever you're going to eat, right? So let's say it's wings. Let's go with wings. I know a lot of people eat wings. And when you eat wings, you get them on your face. I, I do. Do you? <laughs> Liars. Uh, okay. So you get it on your face, and the doorbell rings. <sighs> I know. Like, <sighs> Somebody's got to get it, so I would send a lease. But um, let's say you go to the door, right? And you open the door, and there are two official-looking people there, like government people, government Olympic Committee people from the Olympics. You, you, they have Olympic Committee on their blazers. And they said, may we come in for a moment? And you're like, yeah, come on in. We have a proposition for you. Like, Okay. And you're thinking, this is, this is super cool. They say, we've done the research. We've done the research. We've looked at your bio. We've looked at your history. We checked out how you did at the presidential physical fitness when you were in the sixth grade. We know your body type index. We know your bone structure. And we've come to the conclusion that of the 328 some odd million people in America, you are the best hope that we have to win the marathon in 2020. And you think to yourself, I'm pretty sure I can't run a marathon. The furthest I've run is down the street to catch the ice cream truck. So I'm pretty sure the marathon is not going to happen for me. But they convince you, no, no, you can do this. We, we, have, we have all, we have, we have the greatest training facilities. We can do this if you'll consent. And then you start thinking, well, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, you're running and it's, you know, a billion people are watching worldwide. And, and then you get to stand on the stand. 
and, and then you get to bend over and they put the gold medal around your neck, right? And you, you start to imagine, wow. And then you're thinking to yourself, I, I can't do that because right now I'm fairly certain I can't run a marathon. I could try. I can't do it. Because just to be honest, just show of hands, how many right now think you could run a marathon? Got one. Awesome. So we got 150 people in here. One of us could run a marathon. Uh, my hand was up only by uh, only to show you how a hand going up should look, because I couldn't do it. All right. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, I can't do it. I can't. Trying isn't going to be enough for me. So now I've got to train. I, I can do it if I train. I might not be able to win an Olympics. And listen, that, let's get aside from this just for a second. To be asked to be on the team would be awesome, right? To get to wear the colors, to get to represent the United States. It's really cool. It's really, really cool. But it's not about trying. It's about training. I want to show you one last verse. This is the last thing. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in games goes into strict training. They don't go into strict trying. They go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not even last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And the, in, the inference is we have to be ready and we have to be prepared and when we are in Christ, God has invited us into the family. He thinks we can live a Christian life because he's invited us into the family. You might need to hear it. You can do that. You can, you can live this life. Not by trying, by training. So, if I have that great day and... And then I'm tempted by the, the ice cream sandwiches. Maybe I should just throw the ice cream sandwiches away. Give them away. That'd be better. Maybe I just need to not buy more ice cream sandwiches. I mean, yes, you can do it, but you have to, <laughs> you have to make an effort. Christian life, man, grace is free. Jesus forgives us of our sins, but there's an expectation. I'm going to do something with this life that he's called me into. I don't have to give in to every temptation. I don't have to give in to any temptation. I don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> That's the whole point. You don't have to. Father, we thank you for this day. For this message. Because we were reminded that we, we don't... Tempting is just human. We're going to be tempted. But you tell us we don't have to give in to temptation. And Jesus, we, we love you because you've experienced the stuff we experienced and yet you didn't sin. We, we can be like that. You give us the power and you, you feel what we feel. Lord, I pray that we would live in the Holy Spirit's power where we don't have to give in to temptation. Or we don't give in to temptation. We love you, Lord. We want to... We wanna we want to honor you with our bodies and with our minds because you've called us to be on your team. Thank you for that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.